Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. First John has so much to do with love. First John, over and over and over, repeating to people that loving God actually is discoverable based on how we love people. That to claim we love God and not love people is to live in deception. Not only to try to deceive others, but we actually deceive ourselves if we think that is possible. It goes on to say, you know, all sorts of, of things that play out with that. What does it look like to love people and how do we respond to God's love? And do you know, as First John is coming to a close, it ends with this little statement in First John chapter 5 and uh, in verse 20, it says this, we know also that the Son of God, who is Jesus, has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So here John says, as he concludes his letter, he says this, God wants you to know him and God wants you to actually live in a frame of reference that is uh, framed by Jesus. That the, the lens through which you and I perceive our day-to-day life is framed by the reality of Jesus Christ, his love for us, his purpose for us in redemption, the fact that he is in the very nature God that he's on our side, that that would frame our our reference point for the way we see our day-to-day lives, the way that we interact with what we interact with. And and, and further on in the book of 3 John, this is uh, my wife Jennifer, one of her favorite little statements in scripture, 3 John uh, chapter 4, or verse 4, chapter 1 says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Walking in the truth. So here John says this, you can know the truth. You can frame your life with the truth, that you're living in the realm of truth. But also, it's important that you and I walk in the truth. That we walk out our lives. We make our decisions based on truth. This word walk is an interesting word in the original Greek language. It has kind of the sound of footsteps, if you would. It's uh, parapateo. Doesn't that just kind of sound like, you know, foots on on cobblestones? Parapateo, parapateo. I don't know. That's what I thought of. Parapateo. Parapateo, to walk in truth. This word parapateo, speaking of walking, it, it means this, to progress. To progress in the truth. There's no greater joy than when you and I don't only know truth and we don't just frame our reference with truth, but we actually progress in truth. That when you are immature, there are some things that seem true. But as you grow, you actually build new convictions based on new revelation. Are you with me? Do you know that you can walk with Jesus for a long time and still have some question marks? I think there is this deception that those who live in peace are in peace because they have the answer to every question. And we look at others, we're like, they seem so peaceful through hard times. They must know something I don't know. It is possible that they still have some question marks. In fact, I would urge you and assert myself with all conviction, they still have some question marks. Everybody else does not have this secret sauce that you're missing out on. 
but they are progressing in truth. They're saying, I'm going to just take one more step forward. I'm going to continue to walk forward in truth. It's not that once you have every answer, then the race of life begins. It begins at a moment. Your relationship with Jesus begins in a moment of conviction where you say, I believe you are God. I don't know anything else, but I believe that, that my, my future is safe with you. I don't know how you do it, but I believe you've forgiven me. I don't, I just, I'm going to trust that peace. And then I'm going to start taking steps and I'm going to progress. This word peripateo has one other meaning as well. I really like this one. It is this, to make due use of the opportunity that is provided. Think about that right now. There's no greater joy than this, that people make full use of the opportunities that are provided. By what? By truth. By truth. God's heart for you and I is that we would make full use of all the opportunities that truth provides us. That his truth in our lives would would open up new doors for us that otherwise would have been closed. That it would give us new perspective that otherwise would have seemed impossible. Truth. It's amazing how quick we can trick ourselves, though, isn't it? Amazing how quick we can deceive ourselves. This morning I was, uh, I was enjoying uh, a coffee in a coffee shop, and I was overhearing these two gentlemen beside me in a loud conversation. They were in a loud conversation because the one uh, member of this conversation revealed that he was 73 years old. And so the, the guy across the table from him, who was, would have probably been in his late 40s or early 50s, he was talking loud as a courtesy to the man who was 73. And honestly, I took it as a courtesy to me because I got to listen in on a pretty humorous conversation. It was great. It was interesting in the course of their short conversation, the younger of the two men made very convicted, very determined, very stanced positions, statements of his position on a number of things and flip-flopped in the course of one sentence. It was amazing. He, he said things like this. Oh, man. Yeah, just, you know, back to this neighborhood where it's really quiet. It's crazy how quiet it is here. And then the elderly man said this, oh, I don't find it that quiet. He goes, yeah, right? Like totally busy, all the construction. I'm going like, the guy might be old, but he still understands the basis of conversation. You just flip-flop. You said it was quiet and then went on to say how it's so busy with construction. Next statement out of his mouth, he said, I was just in, in uh, Montreal just visiting there. It was amazing. I love Montreal because Montreal has this like cash system where everyone just pays with cash and you don't have to pay tax. It's great. The older man said this, oh, I actually don't mind paying tax. You know, good here in Canada, we get to take full advantage of it. And he goes, yeah, I know, right? Right? Totally, 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 yeah. I'm like, you just, you just, and then he went on to say that the elderly man, I could tell they had met each other before. He said, How, how's, your, how's your girlfriend doing? He goes, oh, no, no, <laughs> done with her. Nope, 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 done with her, yeah. You know, just didn't want to be tied down. You know, I just want to be free. Then the elderly man said this, he said, you know, I was married 51 years and uh, lost my wife last summer. Yeah, I miss her. And then the younger man goes, wow, 51, yeah, that's the dream right there. That's the dream. That's the dream right there. That's the goal, right? That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. No, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? That we can make these hard-line, stanced statements, doing our best to be convinced of what we believe, only to be persuaded in a moment. It's amazing. 
You know, I think our confessions have a lot to, to say about our convictions. That the things we say, that the things that come out of our mouth have a lot to say about what's going on on the inside. And I sat by these two gentlemen and I thought one of these two men knows himself and the other is still on a journey to try to figure out who he is and what he believes. And I wonder if you and I are on a, a similar type journey where we're doing our best to just make convictions that we think a person will want to want to, want to hear from us. Just make confessions that we think like, like, uh, you know, you see someone and you're like, Oh man, just a beautiful day outside. Isn't it? Oh, I love the summer. And they're like, yeah, I don't like the heat. You're like, I know, right? Like I'm waiting for that rain. It's just going to be, and, and we're, we're wanting more than anything to just find commonality with people to just find a common ground with people. And so we're willing to trade our convictions in a moment just to have that sense of connectivity. Well, I want to share with you a, a truth that is going to change the way you live. It is possible to have a connection with people even if you differ in some opinion. Come on, that's going to set you free. It's possible to have a different favorite food and still be friends. It's possible to have a different uh, preference when it comes to a weather system and still find connection. It's possible to have different favorite types of vac vacations, to enjoy a different pace in life. It's possible to have a lot of things and still have unity with people. Don't trade your convictions for that moment of human connection. See, there's no greater joy than when people walk in the truth, when they progress in the truth when they frame their reference with truth. I've heard this statement, uh, you know, quite a bit lately. It's become, you know, quite a, a hot statement to say it's important that you speak your truth. You heard this statement before? It's important to speak your truth. A few things implied with that. One is obviously not being quiet with what you believe and what you've experienced. Another implication would be this, that word your, that your truth somehow is different than, than truth in and of itself, that you can experience a truth that others don't experience. And for a long time, uh, I think that the, the stance of, of classic Christianity, the stance of church has been that truth is absolute, absolutely. Put a full period on there, drop a few exclamation marks, do whatever you need, underline it, italics it, make it bold, put on an asterisk because truth is absolute. And, uh, you know, today I want to just look at that statement. Is that really a true statement? We did, we did a poll on our, uh, on our Instagram, and we asked a number of questions. Interesting thing is that, that a poll does not determine what truth is. Public opinion doesn't shape what truth really is. You know, public opinion can shift and change, and it doesn't change the essence of truth. You know, there, there were, were some people who felt like my opinion does matter, and other people who felt like, to be honest, my opinion doesn't matter. There were some people who felt like, you know, an overwhelming number of people felt like their words have power, but some said, I don't think my words really do. And so is truth absolute? Is truth absolute? The answer is, in some ways, both yes and no. That statement is both true and false. Let me elaborate. God has a truth, a, a frame in Jesus that he has established, for instance, that you are loved by him. That statement is true no matter what you do. That statement, you can, you, it's an objective truth that God loves people. He has done everything possible to prove this to everyone that he loves 
people, okay, objective truth. But then there are some subjective truths that you and I, like you could determine today, I will have a miserable life. You could make that your confession, built upon your conviction, and then go ahead and live it out and prove it to be true. Do you you follow what I'm saying? See, both are at play here. There is an absolute truth from which you frame your life's reference, and then there are a series of many subjective truths, opinions that change, that you have the power to shape in your life. Now, just speaking does not change the objective truth. You could say all you want to say, no, I am not loved by God. I am a loser. And it wouldn't change what God feels towards you, okay? You're not going to shift objective truth. But you and I have this power of, of shaping our reality based on the, confess- the convictions in our heart and the confession of our, our mouth. Let me just illustrate this really quickly. For some of you, you'd remember in the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers, God's people led by Moses are on their way into the promised land. Before they enter into the promised land, there is this this expedition that takes place where 12 men are sent to go and spy out the land. And their their, their instructions are clear. God's going to give you this land, but go and see what it looks like. Bring back a, a report on what it looks like. Tell us what the cities look like. Tell us what the people look like. Bring back some fruit to, to show us what the, the land is like. And so 12 went out to spy on Canaan. 12 went out to see what they could see. And they, they returned home. And of those 12, 10 brought a negative report. 10 said, the land is full of giants. The cities are well fortified. Sure, the fruit is good. The harvest looks good. There's a lot of of kind of blessing going on there. But honestly, we don't have a chance. We saw giants there. And to them, we looked like little bugs. And of those 12 spies, two brought a good report. Two said, yeah, we saw fortified cities. We saw giants. We saw grapefruit. Man, God, grapefruit, not grapefruit. He said, hey, God is clearly setting us up for a massive, miraculous, overwhelming victory. You see, because the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not ours. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's already said he's going to do it. So of these 12 spies, 10 built their frame of reference on what they perceived others thought of them. Ten said, we saw giants, and to them we looked like bugs. And if they think we look like bugs, we are bugs. And two said, no, I'm going to look through God's perspective. I'm going to frame my reference based on what God has said is true because God keeps his promises. He said that land is ours. I believe that land is ours. And so I don't know how he's going to do it, but that's his job anyway. All I'm going to do is bring a positive confession and a good report about what I've seen. Twelve went out. How many of those 12 said what was true? All of them. Not just two. All of them. Do you know there were 10 who said we can't do it? And they couldn't. There was two who said, with God, we got this. And they did. See, God's word didn't change. His promise didn't change. But for those 10 that built their subjective truth, their subjective opinion based on a lie, they lived out that lie and they never entered the land that God had promised them. And for the two that made a confession built upon what was true, they actually lived out 
in that truth. So the job for you and I is to try to filter and decipher what are absolute statements of truth. What are the truth statements upon which we will build the rest of our framework, upon which we will build the rest of our, of our way of thinking? Would you turn with me to the book of Romans if you have a Bible with you? If you don't have a Bible with you, just a, a little heads up. Whenever we gather as a, a church, we always open up the Bible at one point or another. And so if you don't have one, we'd love to give you one. Uh, if you don't have one, you can also find one on your phone. Uh, just You could type in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 and go to verse 16. And if you go to Romans 4, 16 on your phone, it'll take you right to this piece of scripture right here. Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. In Romans 4, 16, the Apostle Paul is talking about Abraham. Abraham who has uh, been known as the father of faith. It's a pretty good name, right? The father of faith. Not because he had a daughter named Faith, but because he, he led us in a way of thinking and interacting with God that was so faithful. It's like, here's the first person who got this right, and everyone who follows can follow in the footsteps of Abraham, who was the father of faith. Let me highlight a few things for you in this, this piece of uh, scripture from Romans. Romans chapter 4, it says this, Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and it may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring. See, this statement right here I love. I, I have in my Bible two words underlined there. I have the word grace and I have the word guaranteed. Grace and guaranteed. God made a promise to Abraham. His promise to Abraham lives as this ongoing kind of litmus test or bar from which we can look and say, if God could do that for Abraham, then maybe he can fulfill his promises for me as well. God's promise to Abraham was this, Abraham, you will have a son. You're like, okay, cool. That's, you know, pretty good promise, except for the fact that God made it to Abraham when he was about 75 and was without child. You're like, hey, that's cool. Like, how old is, was his wife? She was about 65 at the time. Okay, you, you're following this. He, he came to a, a senior citizen and his barren wife, and he said, Abraham, you will have a child. And Abraham like had every reason on earth to believe that that would not be. Just just go with me on this. They always wanted a child. They never had a child. I don't know how long they were married, but on a monthly basis, they were reminded that this promise did not come true. And that happened month upon month, year upon year. To the point in time, I would imagine, where they just stopped hoping. They simply stopped believing. And they said, that's okay. In fact, so much so that Abraham had appointed a servant in his household as his heir. He's like, when I die, you know, you know, the, the guy who polishes my shoes, he's going to be the, the master. Like, you know, the guy who brings me legs of mutton. I love my mutton. Thanks for that. Now, now this whole land is yours. It's yours. And so he had already moved on. He had already made plans. But God intervened and said, I want you to just trust me in this. You're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. And then for 25 years... Abraham believed God's word would be true for 25 years. He, he, imagine this. He, he came to his wife. He's like, Sarah, good news. What's the good news? We're going to have a baby. She goes, no, we're not. No, we're not. Not only do I know it's not true, but also like time has passed. That ship has sailed. It's not happening. And they said, well, I want us to begin believing. I want us to just begin holding on in faith. You know, I know this to be something like if, if God spoke it, it's true. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. Let's just hold on and believe in this. And so then going forward on a monthly basis, 
Think about this. They had conversations about it. And Abraham said, hey, what do you think? You think you might be? No, I'm not. And Abraham, I've been telling you, like, I'm really not. And for 25 years, Abraham just held on in belief. For 25 years, he just said, if God spoke it, it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to be. It makes no more, more sense. In fact, it goes on in here. If you read a little bit farther, it says, he, uh, if you go down to verse uh, 19, it says this. I love this. This is so funny. Without weakening his faith, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. <laughs> oh, that's in the Bible. Abraham got up in the morning. He looked in the mirror and he's like, uh-uh. Uh-uh. I'm as good as dead. Went on to say this. Not only was his body as good as dead, but since he was about 100 years old and his wife's womb was also dead. Not as good as dead, just straight up dead. Like Princess Bride, not mostly dead, 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 right? So he was as good as dead. His wife's womb was dead, and yet he used faith to face that fact. I want to tell you this, that, that making a positive confession from your mouth is not just, you know, naming it and claiming it. It's not simply throwing good vibes out there and hoping that the universe will come back to you with something good. You know, I'll just say good things and, you know, talk a lot about butterflies and flower petals and, and money and hopefully something will come back. It's not just it's saying I can see the facts. The facts are very clear to me. But I look at the facts through the frame of reference of what God has spoken because he spoke his promise. Now listen, his promise is by grace and his promise is guaranteed. If God has spoken a promise to you either through his word or in a time like Abraham, he's spoken something to your heart saying this is what your life will be, then don't let go. That gift will come to you by grace, not work. So don't just start trying to figure, well, what do I need to do to change? God's like, just keep doing what you've been doing, Abraham. Just keep loving your wife. <laughs> At some point here, this is going to happen. 25 years later, by grace, God gave them a, a, a son. 25 years later, Abraham looked at the reality that he was nearly dead, and so was she, and he just kept on facing those facts with his faith. Listen to me. It is not for you and I to avoid what is true. It's not for you and I to avoid the truth we see before us, to try to live in a utopian bubble idea of faith, but it's actually to stare those facts right in the face and say, I see what is true, but I'm looking at it through a frame of reference of what is objectively, absolutely true. If Jesus has died for my sin on the cross, the Bible says this, how will God not also along with Jesus graciously give us all things? So if he's made a promise to you, you don't have to watch. Think of that. You like for 25 years, there was no indication that she was kind of pregnant. She was on her way to being pregnant. She was like pregnant ish for 25 years. It was a no. Abraham's body was decaying. Her womb was dead. And he just kept on looking at the facts and saying, oh, man, this miracle is, is getting crazier and crazier. I want to tell you, there's someone in this room, you know God's called you to be a leader. He's called you to influence people. And the longer you live, the less influential you believe your life to be. The longer you live, the more obstacles exist between the, the way you are right now and actually living that out. 
The longer you live, it feels like opportunities are closing and doors are closing. But if God has said it, it will happen. It's guaranteed. And in the end, it will be by grace, not by manipulation, not by, by, not by your cleverness, not by you, you know, navigating your own way and slithering into a situation. God will open a door that no man can close, and he will close the doors that no one can open. Are you with me this morning? Come on, you face the facts with faith. We don't want to be those, those Christians who live with our eyes shut. We don't want to be the, those believers who think that somehow to believe in Jesus means we can't look at reality. We simply want to stare at what is factual through a lens of faith. Abraham trusted that the promise of God would be by grace, and it was guaranteed. In verse 18, it says this. I got this underlined as well. I'm just telling you what I got underlined in my Bible. It says this, against all hope, to be clear, it wasn't pre-underlined. I underlined it myself, okay? Don't worry about messing up your Bible. It's supposed to be used. It's a useful tool. It's not, uh, it's not like a archaic, um, you know, uh, to be put in a museum and, wow, look at that Bible, never read. Those pages are pristine. You can mark it up, okay? It says this, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became think about that for a second think about that for a second come on think about that for one second he walked out in truth he progressed in truth from a place where it was not into the place where it was he just continued to walk out in truth the promise of god will come by grace and it's guaranteed i'm facing the facts i'm nearly dead my wife's womb is dead but i'm just going to keep on progressing in faith and his belief actually led to what he became he didn't believe it after he became it he believed it and so he became it against all hope he continued to hope zip down to verse 20 if you would it says this yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of god but he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to god can you can you jot this down if you're taking notes i put it in kind of the the side of my bible that instead of wavering let's worship when you feel like wavering that's time for worshiping when you feel like your, your convictions are beginning to waver, you're starting to ask the question, did God really say it? I know it's in the Bible. I mean, I know it says his plans for me are good, but I don't see anything good happening around. Maybe I'm just the exception to that rule. We begin to believe this. Perhaps I'm just not loved by God. Maybe the Bible is just for people he loves, and I'm not one of those. We, we begin to waver in our convictions. When your convictions are wavering, it's time to worship. It's time to worship. And the Bible says this, he strengthened his own faith by worshiping. So why do we gather together? I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I don't feel cared for right now. I feel like I'm alone right now. I feel like I'm susceptible to, to being attacked right now, but I am a child of God. It's who I am. My heavenly father has the best in mind for me. He's making a way for me. He's preparing for me, and we begin to strengthen ourselves in our faith, building ourselves. The Bible says this, build yourself up in the most holy faith. There's something holy about your faith. In fact, it says this for Abraham, his faith was credited in the eyes of God as righteousness. When God looks at faith, he, he, he gives it that little approved sign. You know what I'm talking about? Like the little blue dot on an Instagram page where you know it must be real. God approves faith. 
When he sees faith, he's like, no, that's, that's legit right there. That faith, that's what I'm looking. That's what it means. Like faith is what God's looking for. Full stop. Faith is what God's looking for. Faith. He, he sees faith and he's like, that's what I'm looking for right there. I approve that right there. And so here you are. You're saying, hey, I just got, it's time I face the facts. It's time I face the facts. I'm getting a little older, you know. My job situation isn't what I wanted it to be. I always wanted to be a person who could be more generous, but I'm barely making ends meet. I just got, I got to face the facts. That's not going to be my story. Don't give up. You look at those facts through a lens of faith. If God's promised it, it will in the end come by grace anyway. It won't come by, by the fact that it's sort of like morphed there. It'll come by grace. And if he's promised it, it's guaranteed. And so you just keep on waiting for that, that, that to come true. Now, I'm not saying wait in laziness. I'm not saying like, you know, God, I'll just be sleeping here. Wake me up when you're ready. Like we continue to walk in faith. Are you with me? Walk in faith, not just sit back and lounge in faith. I'm walking in faith. I'm progressing in faith. I'm going to take opportunity, every opportunity that, that faith and truth open for me. I'm going to walk in that. You following me today? Coming to a close here. See, our, our confession reveals our conviction. This is not about denying reality. It's about focusing our attention on what brings life. Speaking negatively can hurt you. Speaking positively just never will. I want to speak to, to someone today. You know, as I was thinking about this message, I felt like this is for someone specific. You have something in your life that you're just trying to get over? You're just trying to get over it? Like a... a, a, a time of pain, time of trauma, time of disappointment, time where you felt discouraged, you're trying to get over something. And I feel like God would say to you, if you want to get over something, you have to stop going over it. If you want to get over something, you just have to stop going over it. Because as you replay it in your mind and as you speak it again, I can't believe that she said that to me. I can't believe what they did to me. Man, now that I think about it again, have you ever had this? You relive a painful experience. You're like, no, now that I think about it again, it was even worse than I remembered. And it slowly eats away at your spirit. It eats away at your faith. You begin to look at every situation through that, that lens of hurt and pain. I can't believe I was rejected that way. I suppose in the end, it's probably because I'm unlovable. It's probably because everyone is terrible. It's probably just the nature of humanity that they all suck. Because you keep on going over and going over and going over. I just feel like the Lord would say to you and I, if you want to get over something, stop going over it. Just stop going over it and begin to go over and meditate on what is true. The Bible calls you and I to be those who would meditate. Now, meditation in the biblical sense is not to empty our mind, okay? It's not just to find a place where we're thinking of nothing. No, meditation is to go over what you already know. In fact, it's described this way in the Old Testament, to murmur and mutter to yourself. Sorry, not murmur, but mutter. Like to walk around with something. <laughs> You ever watch someone, they're muttering, and you're walking past them? <laughs> and I was like, mm, yeah. It's like, man, you are convincing yourself of what, I don't know what you're saying, but you are really convinced, and by tomorrow, you're going to be even more convinced. You're walking it out. 
See, the Bible says that we should mutter about his promises. Imagine that. It would be a little crazy, but imagine that. We're walking around like, man, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. don't know how he's going to do that. He's for me, not against me. Everyone else feels against me, but not God. And if God's for me, who can be against me anyway? Come on, who can be against me? God's for me. God's stronger. He's greater. He's got thoughts that are higher than my thoughts and ways that are better than my ways. It's good because my ways seem stuck. But in the end, God has an answer to every problem. Here, I've been looking at my problems, and now I'm going to start looking at my problems through the eyes of faith. You know, if, if, if God could conquer death, man, certainly he can conquer my shift manager that I can't stand. Right? Like, like if, if God is in heaven making a place for me, sure, certainly he's got a condo with my name on it. Right? Like, if God says it's not good for man to be alone, certainly there's a wife out there for me somewhere. Come on, somebody. you got to start muttering that to yourself. I don't know if that's going to help you get the wife. When you get on the date, don't mutter, okay? Sitting there like, oh, well, she's really pretty. I mean, maybe this is the... Don't do that. That's not going to help you. Come on, it's time we begin to speak out in faith. Check this out. Here's what happens to you and I when we, when we meditate on what is true, okay? We're going to close with this. Here's what happens to you and I when we meditate on what is true, when we replay what is true, when we allow the truth of God to be the frame of reference through which we see the world around us, when we face the facts with faith. Here's what happens. Romans chapter 4 and verse 21, it says this, being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. Come on, are you fully persuaded today? Do you really believe it today? If not, it's time you mutter to yourself. It's time you get around some people of faith. It's time you go back to the basics and say, I don't know what I don't know, but I know some things that I do know. And I'm going to build my life in a frame of reference on what I do know. I don't know what my next career move is going to be, but I know that God has already made a way. He's already prepared. And if God has an answer, I want to start asking him the right type of questions. Stop coming to God with your conclusions. Start coming to him with some questions. Come on, start. Well, based on that, those giants looked pretty mean. And to us, we look like bugs, and so I don't know what God's going to do with that, but it won't be good. Hey, start coming to God not with your conclusions of how bad things have gotten, but with simple, childlike faith. You see, my kids have this conviction. And as their father, I'm giving them this frame of reference. They have this conviction that, that we really, really, really want to hear what they have to say. It's a funny conviction sometimes. But they don't hesitate to tell me the things they're thinking about. Dad, guess what I was just thinking? And I can tell sometimes that they were thinking absolutely nothing. They just like my attention. And they're like improvising the conversation as it goes, just like Michael Scott, hashtag office. Like, Dad, guess what I was thinking? There's this, this, uh, this is a giant. And, uh, and the story just goes on from there. They're they so convinced that I care what they have to say that they'll, they'll, just, they'll just talk. And it's amazing when you have seven of those. It's awesome. It's like, man, I, like I, I went and watched my man Tunji the other night in improv. That's my life, bro. My life is just one big improv set. My kids are like, oh, you think that prop is cool? Dad, look at this prop. What do you think of this prop? This prop. But they're convinced. They know that I want to hear what they have to say, and it's true. And so they speak with that conviction. Friends, don't don't convince yourself out of God's promises, 
because you can, by negativity and a lack of faith, actually frame for yourself a life where you miss out on God's promises, not because he wasn't willing to keep them, but because you were not willing to walk into them. Don't let that be our story. Don't let that be our story. Let's continue to, to, to build ourselves up in faith, to face our facts with faith that all of God's promises are by grace and they're guaranteed and I'm completely persuaded that God has the power to fulfill his promises. Would you bow your head? We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.